0: we were at uh we were at zach and sarah reardon's wedding yesterday uh graduates from uh from uh, rockbridge down the road here but zach uh during 21 and half of 22 um before he went back to school at drexel um, spent a lot of time uh, with us and worshiping with us, and <coughs> so it was a really good, good time to be at this wedding. Um, you know, it's interesting. I've been a part of or attended three weddings over the last year, and what a difference having Christian families. Um, we had, we had one. Wedding where one family has got a smattering of Christians and the other side not following God at all. That one was there was tension, and whew, it was even something there, right? That was just like, oh my goodness, right? And then and then we had another one where you know families Christian, I'd say their theology need you know we all need maturing, but, but farther along than the first group. And yesterday, the wedding, you had two families in the Reardon's and the Sultises, Sol- I guess you would say. Oh, uh, but that those families, they love Christ. They're orienting their, their families to serve the Lord. And, and even in, in the speeches given, you know, Christ was at the center. When they elevated their kids, they talked about you know, the couple getting married. They talked about Christ and Christ's work in their lives. Um, Even the speeches by the best man, who is a senior, I think, is Noah Reardon a senior? He graduated. He graduated graduated last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, But still, he's 18 years old, and his emphasis in praising his brother was about, he told a few funny stories, but it all related back to the joy of Christ that is in his older brother who got married. Uh, just a blessing to see and hear the gospel. Seeing it woven into the families, right? Um, what, what a blessing that, that can truly be. Um, so, uh, we're, we're having a little trouble with our audio, so I don't have the pen on this morning. Um, I, I want to uh, ask for, I try to give a little update about what's happening uh, with our community, um, how the pastors in our community are working together, our works in the, in the different communities, parole especially, you hear me mention. Um, you know, they're, they're in the last uh, oh, eight days or so, there's been two shootings. Uh, one was uh, over in the Bywater area behind Safeway off of Forest Drive community there, a young man was killed, another uh, young man uh, seriously wounded, Uh, uh, and then um, national night out, you know, that's the government's promoted big, let's all go out in the evening time and prove we can be out in space and not have violence. Um, About 20 minutes after everybody left out of uh, um, a community off of Admiral Drive, another project, housing project, Uh, A young lady was um, shot in the arm. Uh, Thankfully, her wounds are not that life-threatening. The the sad thing is um, that both of these shootings, uh, social media posts played a role in it. In other words, things were said on social media that caused... um, Young men in particular to decide that they had to go out and exact violent vengeance upon uh, folks, um, and so our our pastors' prayer group we were meeting over in Harbor House, which isn't far from the church that we were looking at at Bay Ridge, and we had prayer out there, and then decided that we needed to go up to uh, go up to. Uh, Bywater where there's two young men were killed and, and pray there. We did that Thursday afternoon so we could uh, muster enough guys, enough men to come out and pray. Um, we have a new addition, several new additions to our, our roving prayer group in the Annapolis area. Uh, one is the uh, senior police chaplain for the Annapolis Police, Reverend uh, Colbert. Um, turns out I know some of his family members from way back in the day, but But interestingly enough, you know, here's a black minister who's who's chaplain for the police department. Um, He's a semi-retired, biblically sound, uh, former, uh, you know, United Methodist pastor, but but very biblically sound. Has his, you know, the errors that you see in the in the common Methodist church. He doesn't hold to any of those. But but he's been praying for a long, long time for unity of God's church. And for the pastors to be working together. And so he's been really encouraged over the last month as he's joined our group. Um, and, of course, it's allowed us to become much more aware as a pastor's prayer group where hot spots are. Um, so he informs us when, because he gets, uh, he gets uh, information when something happens. And uh, so he, he, he's been passing that along to our, our prayer group so we can pray. We need to continue to pray for peace for our city. We know that peace only comes through uh, Jesus Christ. And so um, our efforts should be to preach the gospel, to love people in the community, to demonstrate um, who Christ is uh, through our words and actions um, in the community. Uh, One of my favorite um, songs from uh, my Christian music era there's a song by Petra called Rose-Colored Stained Glass Windows, and there's a line in that song that says this. It says uh, that um, are the, the doors are locked. Is it from within or is it from without? And part of that is to say, um, yes, Sunday morning, our covenant renewal service, that is designed for us as the people of God. But we are commissioned out of God's house to go out that, those doors, not simply to be a community of circle the wagons. And we stay in here, and those poor wicked sinners, they're out there, and we don't want them to come in. And as that, uh, I don't know if anybody saw Jesus' revolution, uh, but, but there was a, a scene in there where uh, several of the elders at the church where God was driving uh, hippies into were complaining these guys, they didn't wear shoes, their feet were dirty, and they were going to ruin the carpet. Can you imagine? God is sending people that want to hear the gospel, that want to be discipled, and you're worried that their dirty bare feet's going to ruin the carpet. Um, and it was interesting, his solution, the pastor's solution was, uh, he decided that he would wash their feet at the door. And uh, you know really kind of jab you in the heart. If, uh, if you are missionally minded. Um, so I, I say all that uh, to you, um, just to ask you to continue to pray for our city, our community. Um, I'd also like you to pray, the assistant um, uh, police chaplain is a young man, 34 years old. Um, he is, uh, uh, you can see the, the Love of Christ, the forgiveness of sins, he reckoned, oh man, it just glows on his face. And he's, he's a young black man who um, had, well actually, the Lord recently delivered him from type 1 diabetes. Um, but he had it for quite some time. But, but while he had it, it damaged his kidneys severely. And he's in stage 5 kidney failure. So be praying for this young man. His name is Walter Smith. And uh, if you'll pray for him, that the Lord uh, deliver him, provide him with uh, a kidney. He goes to dialysis three times a week. And, you know, if you know anything about dialysis, that takes up a large portion of your day, um, which makes uh, his ability to work to be fairly constrained. Um, He's worked for uh, uh, Reese's uh, funeral home, since he graduated high school, um, but that still keeps him from be, being able to do certain parts of that job and just limits his hours. So he, he wants to be healed. He's got three children um, that he loves and cares for. And, uh, but but it, if you'll pray for him and that, that God heal him, raises him up, provides what he needs. And, of course, you saw this week, please pray for Tim Bestman. We're going to pray for him briefly right after church. Um, you know, as, as elders, but we, we want to, I want to encourage you what's happening around us, what God is doing, and uh, so, and we'll actually be back in Bywater this Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. by the Boys and Girls Club uh, there in, uh, off of Forest Drive. If you're ever interested, you've got some time and you're ever interested and you want to come out and pray, it isn't just for pastors. We we take it, anybody and everybody. As a matter of fact, when we were praying there this week, there's you know six ministers out there, and we're praying like this. And a couple of junior high boys come walking by, and one just walks by, you know, like he just wants to get around us. You know, we're on the sidewalk. You know, there's the little memorial for the young man that was killed right there, and the other boy. You, you know, the Lord is dealing in his life. And I imagine his his mother, grandmother takes him to church because he couldn't just walk by. He paused. And then he looked at what we were doing, was listening to the prayers, and he stopped, and he put his arms out like this and stood there praying. And so we prayed for them. You know, the other boy stopped because his friend stopped, and he was like, I, I don't know what to do. Um, but... Uh, you know, and then we had opportunities by standing there praying. We engaged with several other community members um, as well. Prayed with them, talked with them. Uh, but I just, I want to encourage you, keep praying. God, God's at work. Um, he's doing so very much in our community. Be open to your Christian friends and neighbors of other churches. God's using them. We, we need to work together. And if you're concerned about some of their beliefs, they'll never change. If you don't talk to them, they won't know that they, that they need growth. And we don't have to come in and be like, I got this hammer, and when I hit, hit it in your head, it's going to be like you don't know anything, right, on their foreheads, but rather what we want to do is build a relationship so they can hear uh, what we're saying. We can be firm in our beliefs and still communicate graciously. All that being said, um, let's uh, pray here this morning. And uh, we're going to try to finish up uh, Psalm 18. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we give you praise. We thank you, our, thank you and give you praise that you are the God who calls us your covenant people. That you have saved us through the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. That you've delivered us from our sins. And that you are the same today, yesterday, and forever. Lord, give us wisdom and understanding concerning your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, I'll uh, remind you of something I brought up last week as we were starting, or we were coming back in and looking at Psalm 18, and that is, Uh, Last week, I emphasized, you know, I was amazed thinking about this, how I could see the covenant language, God's covenant promises at work, and how, of course, in the first few verses, David gives praise to God simply because he is his God. Uh, Then he uses great and strong poetical language to describe what God is doing. In the next section, he takes time He explains and speaks to um, how he is, uh, how God has done works, how he has kept his works and been faithful. So he he does it, he explains that in two two ways. One, with powerful imagery. And even in the imagery, we can see how those images point back to Yahweh being the covenant people of Israel. And Yahweh being actually not just the God... Of the people, but also a God personally to David, his God. And so that brings us to the to the next section. Uh, we're going to try to finish these last two sections here today. One of them is really short at the very end, the last five verses. But we're going to pick up at uh, verse twenty-seven, um, where he, you know, David, under the inspiration of this Holy Spirit, is going to. Um, speak about god and his deliverance so remember he's already referenced historically what god has done as as their covenant god he's already uh, given him praise he's given him thanks and now that he has reflected on the deliverances of god he's now going to speak about how god uses him and is preparing him and is giving him deliverance now, and in the future, and in the last five verses, uh, covenantally through Jesus Christ. And so, um, when we get to those last five verses, we should read those last five verses with Psalm 2 completely in mind. So, picking up at verse 27, it says this, For you will save the humble people, but will bring down haughty looks. Um, you know... Uh, Jesus says, mentions in uh, Psalm 25, verse 12, uh, the the fact that humility, who's the greatest in the kingdom, uh, those that serve others, um, lay down their lives for others. Um, and then, you know, this verse says, but will bring down haughty looks. And Psalm 101, verse 5, points out how God opposes the proud. Um, and I think this is really important when we think about Deliverance. When we think about God answering our prayers, um, remain in humility. Don't be haughty. Don't look down on those uh, who are who are sinning and need to be delivered themselves from their sin. Who were you before God called you out of your sin? Right, and and now you're just a person. Whose sins are forgiven by the mercy and grace of God, verse twenty-eight. For you will light my lamp, Yahweh, my God, will enlighten my darkness. Again, we have the covenant name of God, and and what is He doing? He, you're going to light my lamp. You know, the lamp, the candle. These are images um, of prosperity. We see this in Job chapter eighteen, and Proverbs chapter twenty-four. In both of those, and if you want specifically, it's uh, Job 18, 5, and 6, and Proverbs 24, 20. But, but that the image that God brings prosperity. Now, it's important that we understand what prosperity is. We know there's a whole cult out there about God being the God who prospers you, to have a lot of money, a big house, even your own personal airplanes, right? That's not the type of prosperity that's being spoken of. Can it be that God blesses us financially? Absolutely. Every day I pray that as you go out to your jobs, as you manage your monies, um, that you say to the Lord, Lord, please bring the increase. Help me to manage this well. But <clears throat> it is prosperity in peace in your own life, in rearing your children, and being disciples of the nations. And then, um, you know, it, it, it's important that, that, again, so you have Yahweh, my God, will enlighten my darkness. So the covenant God, to all of us, is also, he enlightens me personally. He's at work personally in my life. And God brings his blessing. Verse 29, by you I can run against a troop. By my God, I could leap over a wall. So again, if you're thinking about this covenantally, He's my God. Right? We keep you're gonna find again and again Yahweh's name's gonna come up here, and He is my God, He's not just that distant God. And through that, when He says run against the troop, it's really run up against or even through. Right? They're trying, the enemies of God are trying to hinder you, trying to hinder God's work in your life. In God, because He's enlightened you, you can run through those that stand opposed to God. And, and so, yes, because he's, in, in the sense that, remember, as he's writing this, the first two sections are all about remembering what God has done. And so he does, he is thinking specifically. But, but the language, and we'll see this in a little bit here, where it kind of references uh, the, uh, the song of Moses and the deliverance from out of Egypt, that he is remembering not only what God has done specifically in his life, but what God has done for his people uh, from the very beginning, he—it's a reference about—and um, and this, you know, have you ever read a story of a saint who's gone on with the Lord about their life, and it's encouraged you, or you see how God has moved mightily in in history, in His church, added to the number, right? And that brings encouragement to you. This is the same thing that that uh, David here. Is is reflecting upon God's work to all the people, and yet at the same time, God is doing these things on a grand scale, on the macro scale, and He's still working in my life as as an individual. This was on my dad's wall. His verse. He lived to 98 years old. They took care of themselves. leaping over fences. We had to go into a neighbor's yard to pick some apples that were going on our side of the over there. And he jumped over that fence and he He kept some... his garden until the very end when it was September and he had done the thing himself. And... oh my goodness, man, he lived to ninety eight. And... Yeah, I've already got one bad knee, I can't imagine it oh, ninety seven leaping over fences. <coughs> You know? <laughs> That's right. If we if we let ourselves go, it certainly gets worse. In, in verse 30, it says this, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of Yahweh is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. And so, uh, again, we see that God is perfect. We're, we're going to kind of tr- hook that in here in just a second. Uh, but the word of Yahweh is proven. So we have God's covenant name. Remember... It, A covenant, God brings his covenant of promises to us, and his word is proven. That is to say, God keeps his word. If he says this, I will do this as a blessing to you, he will do that. Now, you know, the the difficulty is, and we forget this so often, but, you know, a covenant has attending blessings and attending curses. When we walk in disobedience, (laughs) to God, um, God's promises in our disobedience are true as well. He says he is a shield to all who trust in him. And we see that also in Psalm 3. For who is God except Yahweh, and who is a rock except our God? And so he's, he's recognizing the assurance in his God, Right? and that god is the only true god and verse 32 it says is god it is god who arms me with strength that is he girds me up right the strength here is he 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 comes and instead of like saul to david with armor that doesn't fit him god brings us exactly what we need um Do you remember for those of you who are parents, (coughs) excuse me, and you had your first child and you loved that child, right? And then you became pregnant with a second one. And did the question ever come in your mind, how can I love the second one as much as I love the first? How could that be? Right? Or how about this? Have you ever felt a little ramshackled as a parent? And you say, I, I have one or how many ever, and now the Lord has blessed me with another. How am I ever going to make it? You ever thought that? Because you know, you're, you're, when you have just the one or the two, and then God's adding, and you say to yourself, how am I going to make it now? God's grace is sufficient. Whatever grace you need, whatever strength you need, God girds you up for it. Right? He's faithful in that. And here we say, and makes my way perfect. So this reflects back to verse 30. As for God, His way is perfect. Right? So God is perfect. His way is perfect. And makes my way perfect. Now, I think if we all look at it, we say, wait a minute. uh, I'm not sure about this. Remember... It's God's providence. The obstacles that he puts in your life, the gifts that he gives you, the challenges you go through, and the the blessings that you receive, those are all God's providential work in your life. He's faultless in these things. You know, I've seen... I've mentioned this before, but sometimes I I take pause and think about how in a two-year period of time, I I lost my childhood best friend and had done ministry with him. I I lost my uh, longtime missions ministry partner down in Monroe. I lost my brother and I lost my father, right? Now, my father, I was grateful because of his declining health to see him go to the Lord, You know, but I, I, the others were harder to take, especially my childhood best friend, who was a year younger than me, and you know, dying in his in his forties, and my brother dying in his late thirties. You know, those are things I can't explain, but I know God is faultless in His providences. Verse thirty-three: He makes my feet like the feet of deer, and He sets me on high places. That is to say, he makes our feet agile, able to climb, and able to overcome, right? He makes us this way. He's using this imagery, but, you know, have you ever seen deer and you've wondered how in the world they've been able to quickly go up that steep hill, right? God has blessed them with that design, and God makes us that way towards the hills and challenges that are before us. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Um, how many guys have ever shot a bow? Anybody? All right, you know the compound bow with those pulleys, that makes it quite a bit easier, right? How many guys have ever shot a traditional bow? It's just wood, right? you got this big long bow and you're pulling it, right? Um, can you imagine if, if the bow was a hard metal, right? He gives us the strength in order to pull that bow. You know, I imagine you might have to hold it like this and kind of pull it down like that and you kick your aim, right? Using the way God designs you to pull it. But, but, but he strengthens us in order to use the, the implements that he's given us. You've also, verse 35, you've also given me a shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. Now, all three of the verbs here, given, held, made, those are all past tense. And how does he take those? God's past tense, his past faithfulness, gives us assurance of how he will deliver us in the future, it creates the lens with which we are to be looking towards the future. You enlarge, verse 36, you enlarge my path under me. That is, it's, it's no hindrances. No hindrances. We see uh, similar passages in Proverbs 4 and Job 18. And why did he take those hindrances out? So that my feet... Did not slip, God brings us to safety. He keeps us in safety. I've pursued my enemies and overtaken them, neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. Um, this is not about having threats to take against our enemies you know it 's kind of like the the little boy who has the big brother who's able to take everybody out and jumps around with a chip on his shoulder that's not that 's not what this is. This is much more um, that he is confident in God in a perpetual victory. Now, the way I'm planting this out, this is you hear all this positive stuff, right? This morning, do you feel like you're living in the perpetual victory? Well, I want to encourage you, right? Your God, our covenant God who keeps his promises, he is giving you a perpetual victory. Keep that lens. Remember what God has done for his people and for you, that he's brought his deliverance. I, I think David's life is a, uh, is you know, there's that perpetual tension. You know, God comes along. He's just a happy-go-lucky shepherd boy doing his deal, learning how to do all this. And God shows up, like he does, out of nowhere and chooses him. And man, right away, it seems like we're well, very short order anyway. It seems like, man, God helps him, delivers Goliath, Right. that's right that's right what i'm saying is though he goes from he goes from god chose me to these victories man everything's going my way to all of a sudden the guy that i should be looking for to bring me along that i should be working and partnering with for the kingdom of god to deliver his people becomes his enemy and there's enemies all over the place right and, and that's how it is in our Christian life, isn't it? We have these moments where, where when God first calls us and we have all these apparent victories, and then we start slugging it out, and those who we thought were with us turn out to be against us. And it, it isn't over in five minutes. How many years was it that David labored under Saul and that Saul was pursuing him and standing against him? A long time, right? That's a long, that's a long time. And, and, and the, the point I'm driving at, God then brings and turns and, and delivers him to the place of promise. And then he, he becomes, as God explained to Israel when he made the covenant with him, he becomes fat, starts to rely on his own strength, right? Right? starts to think maybe I've done this doesn't go out to war like he's supposed to falls into sin all kinds of other things because of his own sin he doesn't deal with his children's sin all that stuff blows up and he has to walk in humility and shame and God still uses him God still brings deliverance right this is is why we have to have a constant reminder of the sin that's in our hearts, and let's confess it. Let's confront it. Let us also be humble enough to hear those who call us out. I mean, every time he gets ready to sin, God has somebody standing there saying, David, what about this? You need to deal with this, or don't do that. Right? We Let us be humble with whom God sends us. You've also given me the neck of my enemies, so that, so that I destroyed those who hated me. They cried out, but there was none to save, even Yahweh, but he did not answer them. Um, here's what. For those that are not walking in a penitent life before God, God does not hear their prayers. Right? You know, there's lots of people who we know face difficult times, thought they were going to die and they call out to God God preserves them so that they may repent and then as soon as the the, the stress is over relatively quickly they walk away right they didn't really mean it God was still gracious to them but the truth is if we live unrepentantly if if, if we choose to sin against God knowing right from wrong as he's made it clear in his word Right? Our prayers are hindered. So verse uh just beyond that, because their prayers are hindered, it says, Then I beat them as fine as the dust before the wind, I cast them out like dirt in the streets. Um and here's what we have to understand. We remain unrepentant. Um that plays out in how your church should be addressing the unrepentant. At some point the elders have to have people who stay unrepentant discipline them excommunicate them we can they, they can come sit in the church back there we want them to actually but they can't come into the full fellowship of the table and but but they are they're cast out from God's place covenant place of peace Yes. 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 Exactly. In verse 43, it says, You have delivered me from the strivings of the people. You have made me the head of nations. A people I have not known shall serve me. And and here's where we start to begin to see a little bit of transition because we have, as it relates to David, and what it's going to relate to. To Christ, as soon as they hear of me, they obey me. The foreigners submit to me. The foreigners fade away, and and come uh, frightened from their hideouts. Yahweh lives, right? So who gets the praise in this? You know, we don't serve a god of the dead, right? No, we serve the living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The one who created us gives us life. All of our life comes from him. And why is there change? Why is there victory? Why do I have what I have? It all is because um, God lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Um, Even when we don't feel like it, we need to say, I know God's word is faithful. It's proven true. I've seen it time and time again in the history of God's people and even in my life, right? And I'm going to praise him for it. Have you ever come to church and not felt like praising him? Sure. But we need to do it. You ever notice how you feel more edified afterwards? Verse 47, it is God who avenges me and subdues the peoples under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You know, just so in all this, if again, all these blessings God gives him and he feels strong and he feels like God has done all this, like, like he's done these things because God's outfitted him for the victory. Um, he, he says that it is, it is really God's work, right? He's the one that's avenging, subduing. He delivers me from my enemies. You also, also lift me up above those who rise against me. You've delivered me from the violent man. And then verses 49 and 50. Therefore I will give thanks to you, O Yahweh, among the Gentiles, and sing praises to your name. Great deliverance he gives to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David, and his descendants evermore. So here's one of those passages we see in the Psalms where we know David can't be speaking of himself, right? In one way, it is himself, but his king. So if you take Psalm 2 and you say, okay, Psalm 2 is my lens to read these last four verses or five verses, it it looks a little bit different when it talks about uh, delivering the enemies, right, and how the 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 nations will come out, that they will serve him, and we hear clearly it's this is to David and his descendants forevermore, and of course that reference is to the coming of Christ, the true King, and and I, I think it's a a great way. I mean, obviously it's great because God wrote it, but it's a great way. For us to end our meditation realizing that um, we remember what God has done to all, for all his people. What he has done for us. He is our God. He's covenantally our God. His word is always true. And because of this, we can look forward to the future. And of course, Psalm 2 is all about the very first promise that God makes on deliverance out of Genesis chapter 3 right so there's a looking back and that tunes us in with how to look forward each and every day of our life any questions or comments time for coffee I think Let us uh, now pray together. Our God and our Father, we thank you for your word, for your rich blessing. I pray, O Lord, that you would grant us, Father, the, the preparedness of our hearts to repent of our sin, to come before you, to worship you, to come to your table of peace. Please prepare our hearts for the renewal of your covenant promises. In Jesus' name, amen.